At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw on a Wednesday. That means Frank Schwab, our friend, will join us uh, in 30 minutes. Frank, the senior NFL writer at Yahoo Sports and their betting analyst. Uh, I'll ask him about the game, but he's got some props for us that he likes already, Amal. Fantastic. You can never have enough prop discussion. No, no, never. Um, I want to start out here, though, um, with the news that uh, Jim Harbaugh is the leading candidate in Minneapolis to get the Vikings job. Your reaction, Amal? Well, you know, I expected him to go to the NFL. I thought the one place that might intrigue him is Chicago is because he was a former quarterback there with the Bears. But I think part of that is he doesn't believe in Justin Fields, and I can't really disagree with him. I'd have to see more consistency out of Fields to sit there and say he's going to be your franchise quarterback. When you look at the Minnesota situation, Cousins is no longer under contract, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so you've got an opportunity. Harvard did a tremendous job in San Francisco. Remember, they came within about, what, less than 10 yards of winning a Super Bowl? So he's been there, done it before, has had success. And I think the biggest thing that attracts coaches that have been successful at the NFL level to go back from college is the lack of having to recruit and having to deal with all those things, which is so difficult. Is the fact that Georgia so thoroughly dominated them in the national semifinal a major factor for him moving on? I think that's a certain factor, right? Like you realize that, okay, we beat Ohio State this year, but now we got to go to Columbus next year. And last year they opted out of the game. And now you look at the Georgia game, those two teams weren't even on the same planet, right? You're so far away from getting close to being where Georgia and Alabama are, who are the gold standard at this point in time. And so when you look at it from a, a program perspective, you're not interested in going, you know, 11 and 1 and winning a Big 10. Harbaugh 29 and 6 at the University of San Diego, 29 and 21 and turning around Stanford, 44 and 19 with the San Francisco 49ers, a That's winning impressive. percentage of almost 70, 61 and 24, uh, although disappointing in the fact that he couldn't get them a Big 10 title until the final year and then getting blown out at Michigan. I ask you this of all Rank the four coaches in the NFC North if Harbaugh goes to Minneapolis. You have Matt LaFleur, you have Matt Eberflus, Dan Campbell, and Jim Harbaugh. Well, I'm going to put an incomplete on Matt Eberflus. Never coached a game in the NFL, so can't make any decisions on him. Go Dan Campbell, three. I'll go Matt LaFleur, two, and I'll go with Jim Harbaugh, one. Look, I'm not a big Jim Harbaugh fan. Uh, You know, I think people like him sometimes forget that life is actually about dealing with people, regardless of how great you may be at a certain profession. Um, but he's a terrific football coach. There's no denying it. I mean, we saw what he did at USD. He had one of the greatest upsets in the history of college football when Stanford was, what, about 38, 40? I thought 40, they were a 41 point 41, right, in yeah. That game. In that game, they beat uh, uh, John David. It was a John David Booty or Josh Booty at USC, whoever the quarterback was, and they won that game. And, um, you know, to me, he's done a tremendous job. And I, I really thought kind of what cemented him was his success with the 49ers. That was really impressive. Mike Singletary couldn't win there. You know, Mike Singletary's quote was correct. Can't win with him. He was right away if he was referring referring to himself. Yeah. Now, for you, it's been, you know, sort of a dream decade here with Ohio State and who you've had to compete against in the Big Ten East. (laughs) You've been 
very excited about the long-term extensions for Mel Tucker and James Franklin. You got old Mike Loxley over there at Maryland. Tom Allen, who didn't win a game in the Big Ten at Indiana. Maybe the best coach outside of Ryan Day in the division, Greg Schiano at Rutgers, but yeah. obviously other impediments for that program sure. to rise to great, the top. Great point. If Harbaugh leaves Michigan, I'm going to give you the choice between these three candidates who are mentioned to, to be in talks with them if they leave. Matt Rule, Bill O'Brien, or Matt Campbell. <laughs> I know you <laughs> remember Matt Campbell coached at Toledo. He's from yeah. Ohio, so you'd be intrigued by that. Matt Rule would be a per- perfect hire, but I don't know if Matt Rule wants to leave. If Tepper, who has kind of said, hey, Matt Rule is going to come back, um, I think he would stay with Carolina for one more year. But the Michigan job could be very tempting, and I think he could do a tremendous job there. And then, of course, you mentioned Bill O'Brien. If it were Bill O'Brien, I would drive to the airport to go pick him up myself. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? I'd be ecstatic to have that guy in there. Um, Personality of sandpaper. I'll, I'll make this comment, then we'll move on. I know this person is not available or seemingly unavailable because of his current contract situation. But if I were Michigan, I would have gone after P.J. Fleck. You can have him. I, I would love it if the boat rower went to You're uh, not a big fan. There's a big, big difference in coaching at the mid-majors and middle-tier Power 5 schools and then coaching at the upper echelon schools. I'm telling you right now, he's done a nice job at Minnesota. But the recruiting is different. The whole game is different. It's just a different scenario there in terms of bringing in players. I would have no qualms if P.J. Fleck went up from the Big Ten West to the Big Ten East. You know what, though? The one thing is I noticed that Harbaugh, I think we'll find out an announcement in a couple of days because today is National Signing Day in high school football. And so most of the players obviously will have signed. And Michigan will have their class wrapped up. And then everybody's kind of like you're, you're under contract in essence. Yeah. And then he'll probably sit, make the announcement. Because I thought the key telling point was McDonald, the defensive coordinator, left to go to back to the Ravens. I thought that was a kind of an indicator that Harbaugh might be moving. I mean, Harbaugh would be moving on. Also in our TWIB notes, for those of you that remember this, this week, week in baseball. baseball yeah. around the, we do news around the NFL here in these weeks. You might be facing a suspension for bringing up baseball. Weeks leading up to uh, uh, the Super Bowl. Brian Flores' lawsuit came out today um, suing the NFL, uh, the New York Giants, uh, the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, unfair labor practices related to race. But I ask you this from this uh, perspective, Amal. Contained within this lawsuit is the allegation that the Miami Dolphins owner offered him $100,000 to lose games while he was at Miami in order to get a better draft pick. If that's true... Will Stephen Ross be forced to sell the Dolphins? I would think so. You have to. Uh, if you're the National Football League, you can't have a team potentially tanking like that. Remember, betting and gambling are what drive the NFL so much. Make no mistake about it. I've always said if you want to see the true worth of the NFL, take a weekend and ask all the odds makers to say, put no lines up that weekend. See what the ratings are that weekend and how much people pay attention. Who would give a damn between Detroit playing you know, the Baltimore Ravens in a game if you didn't have money on it? Yeah, you have those fan bases of those particular teams. But it's all about gambling. And if you have that sentiment going on from an owner, that looks horrible for the league. I I will tell you this. If Flores decides to be kind of like a Kurt Flood and stick it out in this case, it'll be interesting. Because I believe the NFL will want to eventually settle, regardless of the amount. Because the biggest thing that the NFL always fears is discovery. During the discovery process, so many things will come out. That's why they settled with Kaepernick. And I think that's what they'll end up doing if Flores decides that he's going to settle at some point in time. From a game theory and a legal legal perspective of all, is this lawsuit premature while there's still five jobs available? I thought it was a little bit, um, but you know, the 
obviously this had to be in the works. It's not like you just all of a sudden find, you know, somebody out of the yellow pages and say, hey, listen, we're going to file this case. I, I think it took a little bit of diligence. This had to be going on for a while. And the firing, I think, was the final uh, kind of straw on this one. All right. Back to the Super Bowl. Uh, lines settled in now at four and a half in favor of the Rams at SoFi a week from Sunday against the Bengals. Total sitting 48 and a half in most places. What will this close both in terms of side and total in your opinion, Amal? I was asked this question and gave an answer earlier this morning. Um, I think the five, five and a half are negligible. So, you know, it's going to be a situation where it won't matter that much. Uh, I think that I'm going to say five, and I think the total will hover at about 49. I think it'll go up a little bit. You got my exact answer. I said 549 and a half. Okay. And um, I I tell you what, I know Caesars took a huge bet on the Rams, and I I thought that was a pretty good bet. I I really like the Rams in this matchup. I'm not sitting there saying it's going to be like Super Bowl 29, but it feels like that to me. Remember when the Chargers made it, and you're like, these guys don't belong, and the 49ers only torched them by 23? I don't think it will be that bad. That's what I'm saying. It won't be that bad. But it feels to me like minus uh, 190 or now $2 is really cheap on the money line in this game. It, it, it you know, really do, it I feel does. like the Rams should be almost a $3 favorite in this game. I tend to agree with you, and I'll tell you what. I feel like the Rams and McVay, they put all their chips in the center, and they dodged a lot of cards to be able to get here and hold on to their pocket aces pre-flop and get there and get the potential win. I mean, you talk about a dream scenario for the Rams. You play the game at SoFi at home, so obviously everything's familiar to you. Now, they are officially going to be the visiting team. Uh, it won't matter because you won't even be able to recognize SoFi from a Rams perspective. And all these seats go to, you know, sponsors and everything like that. You don't really get a lot of fans in there. Um, but I tell you what, if they failed, it would have been a complete failure. And you know what? It's funny. Sam Hinkie gets criticized for this in Philadelphia because this is what they basically did, right? They were tanking to go get picks. We didn't know Ben Simmons was, was such a guy the way he was mentally. But give the Rams credit. If you win a Super Bowl and you don't make the playoffs for the next five years, in my opinion, that's justified. I would rather have a team who wants to get to the playoffs four years in a row and not win anything. You win one Super Bowl. As a fan, you're probably willing to take that for 10 years. Yeah, I would. All right, let's talk about a couple of props here to uh, finish out this segment. Um, will there be a 100-yard running back? But this is specific to two. Will Cam Akers or Mixon rush for over 99 and a half yards? The yes, plus 150 them all. No. What's the no on that? I wonder if it's a two-way prop because you'd like to lay 180 here. Yeah, yeah. Just no two-way. One, no two-way. Two for now, I'm all for now. Will Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, OBJ, and T. Higgins all have 50 or more receiving yards, plus well, 160? Listen, forget forget the first two guys. Let, let's figure out, is it going to be Higgins going over 50 yards? You like OBJ over 50 I like well. OBJ. And, so uh, this becomes well, a T. Higgins over 50 yards. That's what I'm you. saying, yeah. The thing you have to fade is an injury, obviously. Yeah. If somebody I didn't gets see OBJ injured early. there, but yeah. Yes. And you like this at plus 160? I think so. I think the Bengals are going to be trailing. I think they're going to have to throw the ball. Higgins is capable of making plays. And if Jamar Chase is covered fairly well by Jalen Ramsey, you could look to T. Higgins as your secondary guy. Chase and Cup combined over 199.5 receiving yards, plus 105. I'm going to go no or under. A little bit high. Chase or Cooper Cup to score a touchdown of 50 yards or more, plus 225. I would say no on that one as well because I think the longest touchdown in the game is probably about 39.5 yards. Burrow and Stafford combined over four and a half touchdowns. Uh, I've Plus no 145. Uh, sure. Burrow and Stafford, 600 or more passing yards combined. Plus no. 150. No. OBJ and T. Higgins, over one and a half combined touchdowns. Plus 275. 
yes. Both teams to score two or more field goals, plus 250. I look at that yes. one a little bit. Yes, yeah. at plus 250. Both teams to score two or more passing touchdowns. Uh, no. All right. When we come back, yeah. we'll talk yes. a little college basketball. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, or Amal's personal favorite, Citrus. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash f-i-n-d. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Odds on, Mike Palm here with the Mall Shop. 15 minutes, we'll have our buddy Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports on to talk Super Bowl and some Super Bowl props, but let's go back to college basketball, Amal. And let's start out in the Big Ten in Williams Arena in Minneapolis. This game is on the Big Ten Network at 4 o'clock Pacific, 6 o'clock local time. Number four, the Purdue Boilermakers take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Purdue, 18-3 and overall, 7-3 and in the Big Ten, half a game back of the top spot. Take on Minnesota, who entered Big Ten play 9-0, and but are just two and seven since the league started. Purdue has won six of seven, including an 81-78 win over Ohio State at Mackey Arena on Sunday. They did not cover as a nine-point favorite. Minnesota has lost six of seven, including a 66-60 defeat at the Kohl Center in Madison against Wisconsin on Sunday. They did cover as an 11.5-point favorite. Purdue laying 10.5 on the road them all with a total of 139.5. Yeah, a little bit disappointed by your tease saying, let's go to the Big Ten. I thought we would be starting with the marquee game in that conference tonight, but we'll start with this one of the barn. Uh, I would be looking at the home team here. I don't like laying points with Purdue on the road. It's either Minnesota or no play, but with Minnesota, you're holding your breath right now. This team is just not good. They're a long way away from being really a competitive team in the Big Ten. I mean, when you look at this league right now, probably the only team that's Clearly worse than them is Nebraska. Nebraska almost pulled it out last night up in Ann Arbor. Uh, so long way to still to go for this uh, Gophers team, but I think they'll compete to a certain extent. A number is 10.5, a, a little bit of a big number to lay on the road. I don't want to lay more than three or four with Purdue anytime because this team doesn't, they don't close games. Look at that game against Ohio State on Sunday. They don't close. They tighten up down the stretch in these games. Well, the good news is this is not a tournament scenario, so I expect Purdue to get a W. Okay. All right, also at 4 p.m., but on the SEC Network from Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky Wildcats fresh off their huge victory at the Fog on Saturday over Kansas, host Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt comes in at 11-9, and 3-5 in league play. Kentucky 6-2, and two, but looking ahead at Auburn, 17-4 and four overall. Up to number five in the rankings of all. Vanderbilt beat Georgia at home on Saturday, 85-77. These two teams played in Memorial Gymnasium on January 11th. Kentucky was an eight-point favorite, and they covered on the road 78-66. to 
Tonight, they'll be laying 14 and a half with a total of 142. Yeah, this can be an interesting matchup when you look at this game. And Mike, I think Vandy could be in serious trouble here. I don't, I'm not going to lay the points with Kentucky, but the reason I say that is Scotty Pippen Jr. has been terrific for this team in terms of scoring better than 18 points a game. Uh, but I think Kentucky could potentially go with a bigger guy on him, making it difficult for him to get some decent looks. Jordan Wright would have to step up in this case. I, I don't think he's going to be enough. I think Kentucky is just going to be too dominant on the interior in this game. They should be able to bury them in this matchup. I, I think it's one of those games where you may look at a second half over because if Kentucky's up big at the break, it could turn into open gym in the second half. Also at 4 p.m. Pacific time for, on CBS Sports Network from the Senta Center in Cincinnati, Cincinnati, it's Butler at Xavier. Butler 4-6 and six in Big East play 11-10 and 10 overall. Xavier 5-4, and 15-5, and, and ranked 21st. Uh, Butler comes into this um, having won two in a row at home over Creighton and Georgetown. When the teams met earlier on January 7th at Butler, Xavier won by 15, 87 to 72 as a six and a half point favorite. Tonight, they're going to be laying 12 with a total of 130 and a half a mile. Yeah, you referenced that game. Xavier was outstanding shooting the basketball 55%, 46% from deep. They really did a tremendous job. And then even at the free throw line, 23 for 27 in that one. The one thing is, if you look at it from a Butler standpoint, Mike, they shoot 50% and they still lose by 15. That's got to concern you if you are looking at it from a Butler Bulldog standpoint. Uh, would you say the numbers? 12. 12. There were six and a half on the road. Yeah, so this number is right where it should be. 12, 12, 12, and 12 at yeah. home. Uh, I, no play here. All right, let's go to the American Conference. 5 p.m. Pacific time, 7 o'clock local time. Tulane at Houston from the Fertitta Center. Tulane, 9 and 9 overall, but 6 and 3. In the American Conference, Amal, is this Houston team flying under the radar? They're they're ranked six, but look, they're seven and zero, eighteen and two. Their only losses: sixty-five, sixty-three to Wisconsin in a holiday tournament, and eighty-three, eighty-two in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. Houston. Lane 17 with a total of 133 and a half. Well, I think when you look at this team and the fact that uh, Tr- uh, Tremont Mark and, of course, Marcus Sasser out for the year are huge blows for them, but they haven't skipped a beat. They continue to flourish. 17 is a big number, but I think they could absolutely bury this Tulane team. Tulane, it really, they, they shoot ball well at times when they're at home in New Orleans, but other than that, they can struggle on the road. And I, I don't know if I want to lay 17 here with the Cougars, but... I just can't back them. I, I was potentially looking at the under in this game, but my concern is if the game turns into such a blowout early on, then in the second half, the defensive effort just generally goes out the window out of both sides. All right, you asked for it. Wisconsin at Illinois, 6 p.m. Pacific time on the Big Ten Network from the State Farm Center in Champaign. Wisconsin comes in ranked 11th, 17-3 and overall, 8-2 and in the Big Ten. They share the top spot in a three-way tie. Uh, included in that tie is Illinois, 8-2, and 15-5. The Illini are ranked 18th. They've dealt with some injury issues. I think they have a full complement tonight in hosting the Badgers. Wisconsin has won 9 of 10, um, and Illinois has won two straight, 56-55 over uh, Michigan State in Champaign, and then 59-56 in Evanston against Northwestern over the weekend. Amal, let's line 7 on the overnight down to 6.5 in favor of the Illini with a total 136.5. I didn't make a play on this game, but I would have to lean towards the Badgers getting six and a half. I love the way this team plays. But remember, you mentioned it. Now, start with Wisconsin. Tyler Wall back in the lineup. You need him in the post to be able to guard Kofi Coburn, who's going to be back in there for Illinois as well. Andre Corbello back out on the perimeter. Uh, This Illini team, you and I have talked about this, completely different team in Champaign. uh, But you still have to, for me, you have to look at the underdog here. What's your perspective on this one? I'll have a play on this game later. 
Uh, while Wisconsin-Illinois might be the marquee matchup of the night, I think this next game is the second-best matchup. Marquette-Villanova. You got it. 7 o'clock Pacific time on FS1 from the Fiserv Forum in Milwaukee. Villanova comes in ranked 12th, 9-2 and two in the Big East, 16-5 and five overall, and second place behind Providence. Marquette ranked 24th, 7-4 and four in the Big East, 15-7 and seven overall. These teams met back just on January 19th in Philadelphia. Amal Villanova was a 13-and-a-half-point home favorite, and Marquette won that game 57-54. Tonight in Milwaukee, Villanova laying four-and-a-half on the road with a total of 132-and-a-half. What did you say the line was at? 13-and-a-half uh, Villanova was favored by at home just two weeks ago when they met. A little bit of an overreaction on this mm-hmm. number based on where it was last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I would look at Villanova here, revenge spot. This is a team that always plays well when they've got an opportunity to kind of avenge a game. Villanova's played well. Nine out of ten wins in their last uh, ten games that one lone loss that you mentioned at the yep. Marquette game. This is an important game in terms of the Big East standings. We saw, by the way, last night, I don't know, did you see the uh, shot at the end of the Creighton, Connecticut first half? No. Uh, Hawkins hits the shot, and it goes right off the back of the heel of the rim, higher than the shot clock, drops right in. And the reason I bring it up, they end up winning that game by, I think, three or four points. It was crucial down the stretch. That was a big loss for UConn. So if Villanova's going to win this league, this is a great opportunity because you got Providence, who just doesn't ever want to lose, and then, of course, you got Marquette right there coming in strong. This is a critical game in terms of Big E standings, potential standing uh, seeding for the NCAA tournament. Uh, Marquette did not play well early in the season. They are playing so much better right now, and I think it's going to be a hostile environment, t- environment tonight. I didn't play this game, but I just this is where Villanova the last half a dozen years has excelled under Jay Wright. All right, Amal, when we get off the air, we can go right over here to the sports book and watch the tip of Florida at Missouri. Noon Pacific time. 2 p.m. local time on the SEC Network from Mizzou Arena in Columbia. Florida comes in 3-5 and five in league play, 13-8 and eight overall. Missouri 2-5, and 8-12 and 12 overall. The near miss at home against Auburn when they had them down double digits in the second half. Florida beat Oklahoma State 81-72 as a 3.5-point favorite at home against uh, Oklahoma State in the Big, East, uh, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. They were down 13 at half in that game. I, w- I watched the second half. Missouri has lost three in a row, including getting shellacked at Hilton over the weekend, 67-50. to 50. The Gators laying five and a half on the road to Mall with a total of 135. Yeah, I don't want to lay points on the road with the Gators. I'd be more likely to take Missouri with this five and a half. It touched six earlier today. Um, obviously, come has come back down. And the other thing I was looking at potentially was the under 135 here, Mike. I think if you're Missouri, if you look at the two games that they've played against some top-ranked teams, or excuse me, the Auburn game, it's been more of a defensive effort. They've got to do that in a matchup like this against Florida. Florida will defend, we know that. And at times, they can struggle to shoot the basketball. So an opportunity here if you're uh, Missouri and Conzo Martin squad. 6 p.m. on CBS Sports from the Seagull Center in Richmond. It's a little A-10 action. Dayton at Virginia Commonwealth. They're both 6-2 and two in league play. VCU won at Dayton on January 5th as a four-and-a-half-point dog. They're laying four-and-a-half at home tonight, Amal. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing that's a certainty in this game. VCU will shoot more free throws than they did the last game at Dayton where they shot two free throws. And won the game. And they won the game, yes. I like VCU laying four-and-a-half when you brought up that stat. Up next, we'll have our friend from Yahoo Sports, Frank Schwab. is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on v the Sports Betting Network. You know that v is the best place to get all of the betting insights for the big game. And right now, you can sign up to get our free big game betting guide. 
This digital guide gives you trends, strategies, props to watch, and tips from our experts. Visit vsin.com slash Super Bowl to get your free guide and get ready for the biggest football betting action of the year. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. Amal, let's hit another basketball game here before we get Frank Schwab. Um, in the ACC, 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific time on the ACC network from Little John Coliseum, Florida State at Clemson. Florida State limps into the game having lost two straight at Georgia Tech and at home against Virginia Tech. Clemson last played on 125. They've had a long layoff here, losing a close game at Cameron Indoor, 71-69 to Duke. Florida State 6-4 and four in league play. Clemson 3-6. and six. The home team, lane three with a total of 137.5. Yeah, tough game for me to call here, Mike. Uh, Clemson, different team at Little John. Florida State, not as good as they've been in years past going on the road. Three, I think, is the right number for this game. All right, we do have Frank Schwab joining us now as he does every Wednesday. Welcome in, Frank. How are you? Fellas, what's going on? How you doing? Excited to have you here. You know, we never get enough of the prop talk on the Super Bowl. And so I want to ask you what your favorite props are, if you've identified any. But overall thoughts on the two championship games now that we've had 72 hours to ruminate on them. I mean, a couple of great games. I mean, I don't know how you guys felt at 21 to three when the Chiefs were up, but I was like, well, I can find something else to do in my afternoon. And what a resilient win by the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, my goodness, they they just keep coming at you. I, I mean, I know I've seen all the advanced stats this week about how the Rams are a huge favorite, shouldn't be a bigger favorite. They're a better team. The Bengals just won't go away. They, there's something about this team I, I really do like. And then you know, the, the 49ers just blew it. Like, what's Kyle Shanahan doing going for it on, or punting on fourth and two instead of going for it in Rams territory in the fourth quarter? I thought they blew that game. I really did. And it it, it did signify, hey, you can only go so far, Jimmy Garoppolo. I, everything needs to go right before you go any further with him. So I think we end up, look, would I have liked to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I kind of would. I think that would make for an unbelievable matchup. But I think this one's pretty good. I, I like I like these two teams, this Bengals team. This Bengals team just got something that, that – Maybe you can't quantify. They're, they're really confident, and they're really playing well. Uh, Frank, when you look at this matchup, uh, actually, I want to go back to what you just said about the fourth down thing. I agree with you. I thought Shanahan was going to go for it for sure. That's why I thought McVay challenged that play on check because he was kind of desperate. He's got one timeout. The one timeout's not going to really prevent you from being able to stop much of the clock bleeding out. So he said, hey, right. I've got an opportunity. Let's take a risk here. So I, I tend to agree with you there. Looking at this matchup, I thought Cincinnati played tremendously well in the second half, made some great adjustments, really kind of took advantage of the miscue by the miscue by Kansas City at the end of the first half. But now they yeah. face a far superior defense than they've seen in the postseason. How effective can this offense be when they struggle most of the year in back-to-back games? Now they're going to play a team that's competent on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and one thing that really uh, is, you know, I honestly haven't really made up my mind on who I like in this game. I think I'm leaning Rams. And the big reason is because it's hard to get past this defensive front against the Bengals' offensive line. I mean, that is such a key matchup. We saw it last year in the Super Bowl when the Chiefs couldn't block the Bucks. And I just wonder, how are the Bengals going to block these guys? How are they going to block Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd? There's some really good guys up front that can get pressure on the quarterback, and I think that's going to make it tough on Burrow. I, I do agree that the, if there's one thing that you look at and say, how are the Cincinnati Bengals going to win this game? It's because you say, how are they going to block the Rams? I think that's a key matchup in this game. Defensively, I think it'll be fine. I think their defense has been underrated all year. They play pretty well in the back end. Their defensive front is pretty good. They can get pressure, too. But when you look at the lines, I mean, you kind of start there, move your way back out. You say, man, the, the Rams just have a huge edge in both of these categories. It's 
the Bengals are going to get this done. It's probably going to be because they hit some explosive plays, cause some turnovers at the right time, which they've done this playoffs. But that's how they're going to have to do it because I play and play out. The Rams are really going to control the two lines. Frank, let's get to the props. You, you're leaning on the Rams on the game, and um, I want to talk about some of the props here. Let's talk about the receivers' yards over under, uh, at least on the Rams side of it. Both Cooper Cup at one hundred two and a half, and OBJ at sixty three and a half. You know, I, I tried thinking about this. I don't know how I can research it and haven't done it yet. I can't remember any receiver having a, a Super Bowl prop of 100 yards or more. It's an, it, it says something about Cooper Cup, right? And it also says something about Cooper Cup that you look at it and you say, boy, if I bet the under, I'm in for a nervous afternoon. And he is so good right now. He's so hot. I know, you know, I talked to guys over at MGM today, and they said a huge bet already came in on Cooper Cup over. And I can't. I can't even discount that. How could you bet the over on a guy for 102 and a half yards? But yet he's Cooper Cup. He's so good. I, I'm kind of leaning that way right now, just because who wants to bet against Cooper Cup right now? But I like Odell Beckham a lot more. I just think he's been mispriced for weeks. I've been betting him over just about every week for about whatever three, last three, four, five games because you could tell this offensive staff really trusts Odell Beckham. Stafford trusts him. He's he just coming off a hundred yard game. He keeps getting better and better every week, and you just wonder. Where was this guy in Cleveland? Why couldn't they get anything out of him? But he comes to the Rams. He's totally comfortable in this offense. Become a huge play guy for them. All the attention goes to Cup. So Odell is rarely doubled anymore. I think Odell Beckham has a big game in the Super Bowl. Absolutely above 63 and a half or whatever you're going to get it at. I think he could he could really challenge for 100 yards in this game too. He's just been such a big part of what they do. Frank, I think you make a couple of great points on the receiving props for both of these guys. I like Cup last week against San Francisco. I think this is an easier defense for them to maneuver playing on that fast field turf in Los Angeles. I think he should be very effective. And I love the point you made about OBJ. He's been outstanding. I mean, I said about OBJ, I don't remember a player being so popular in New York and then being actually underrated in Los Angeles. Haven't seen that about any player in a long time. <laughs> He's kind of gone under the radar. He has. And I mean, if you watch these guys week in, week out, you could tell he came in and they force fed him a few targets early on. And I think each week you just see Stafford say, wow, this this dude is the real deal. He's still the same guy he was with the Giants. And now I got two superstars, a receiver. And, you know, I mean, Higby's probably going to be out in this game, too. That means more tar targets funneled to OBJ. The Cincinnati Bengals are not going to come into this game saying, we need to stop OBJ. They're going to be saying, what do we do with Cooper Cup? He's the the 2,000-yard guy this season. He's not. He, Odell Beckham is in the rare position in his career where he's not the focal point anymore. And I think that opens up a lot for him. And like I said, I think I think he's been mispriced for weeks. I think he's been way too low. You still could get him in the 40s for you know late in the season, maybe even a wild card game. I, I I bet him regularly, and he's paid off a lot. Frank, if you or other teams looking at what the Rams' blueprint has been this year, going all in, trading away future draft picks for G Matthew Stafford, I think there's some potential options out there for teams like Tennessee, the Cleveland Browns, the San Francisco 49ers. If they're willing to give away draft capital for several years, including two to three first round picks. Do you think we could see some quarterbacks on the move? Because when you look at what the Rams are about to potentially achieve, number one, they got to the Super Bowl. Now, let's assume for a second they win the game. I mean, this really kind of sets a tone of, hey, let's make this, let's take this risk if we think the rest of the supporting cast is good enough to win. Absolutely. And I think it goes beyond the quarterback of, I think you're going to, you know, we see the trade deadline come and go and we're like, Nobody traded for Allen Robinson, really. Nobody's willing to give up a late round pick for this guy. We see guys move for a fifth round pick and you're like, no, none of these contenders would give up any more for that. I think you're going to see teams get more aggressive and say, 
you know what? Maybe that fifth round pick isn't really that valuable. Maybe we can move that for, you know, Von Miller or whatever and make a splash. But the quarterback thing is interesting. I think one of the reasons Stafford moved is because he said, I want to trade. If he doesn't say he wants a trade, Detroit might be like every other NFL franchise and say, boy, it, it might be smart to trade this guy, but are we really at the end of the day trading our quarterback? Even they had to get a quarterback in return and Jared Goff. Teams are scared to death to go into the unknown at quarterback. That's why I don't think Russell Wilson's going to move. I, I think Aaron Rodgers, who knows what's going to happen with him, but I don't think a Packers doing that you know, without kicking and screaming a little bit. It's it's hard to trade your quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is the one guy's going to get traded. We all know that. But other than that, I think we're, we always talk about all the quarterbacks that could move, but then we get into the offseason and teams realize, you know what, if we have to deal with a, a breaking in a new quarterback for three years, we're not going to be here at the end of the three years. So we're not going to trade our guy. We're going to hold on to Russell Wilson. Whoever. Frank, big game in, in Champaign tonight between two of the three yes. teams in the Big Ten right now. Are you surprised your Badgers are getting seven, and did you gobble up the points? I did. I, I, and you know me, I'm not a homer. I'll tell it like it is on my alma mater. I like the seven here. I, this team has played hard all year, and I think it's just a lot of points. And I will say, Illinois played a lot better since Kofi got back. You know, they're only, I think they're only lost in a while is that you know, double overtime against Purdue, which you know, everybody, a lot of teams could lose to Purdue this year. But Wisconsin's gone on the road. They've beat Purdue. They've beat Houston on neutral site. They have beat good teams. So seven was a, a little bit of disrespect. I'm not going to lie. I, I think this Badgers team can get the cover here at least. I, and I, I can't rule them out winning this game. They've, they've shown they're not scared to go on the road and play good teams. Frank, we got about 30 seconds. Do you believe in Sparty, and is Michigan going to make the tournament? That's the thing about me. I don't know that Michigan will. I mean, they're going to have chances for key, yeah. key wins. And that's so huge, obviously, in resume building that teams, you know, Iona doesn't have those options to get the big wins. So I think Michigan might slide it. I think Michigan State is just so up and down. Some of their young guys are really inconsistent. I, but you can't, it's hard to bet against Izzo in March. But it, I, I don't know. It, it, they're so inconsistent. They're not a team. I like to bet on in March. I like to know what I'm getting. I don't know what I'm getting out of Michigan State right now because game to game, they're just they're hard to predict. Frank, we appreciate the time. Good luck anchoring Yahoo Sports Super Bowl coverage with Pam Maldonado, I understand. Absolutely. We'll be there. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you next week. When we come back, the picks and a farewell. is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Bet River Sportsbooks takes football same game parlays to a whole other level. Now you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combo. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combo. Must be 21. Gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9 with it. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. And Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Playable in New Jersey is play sugar house. Void where prohibited. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw. Well, Amal, another 4-0 night in college basketball for uh, these nuts. You know, I was reminded of what former President Barack Obama said. We are who we've been waiting for. And with that, I give you the floor for your pick tonight. Yeah, just one play. Not a, not a overwhelming play in this game tonight. Arkansas-Georgia over 152.5. 
Uh, the first time Tom Crean's team decides to defend will be the first time all year. God, these guys don't play any defense. Razorback should be able to get up and down the floor. We know Musselman likes to get up and down, so should be a good one here. Uh, Chris Like should have a pretty big day. I'm looking forward to this game just from a scoring standpoint. Should be fairly entertaining, as long as they're not throwing up bricks like they do at Georgia sometimes. <laughs> all right, I've got two plays tonight, both in college basketball. I mentioned earlier, I like Wisconsin catching seven at Illinois. I made this line four. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, I just thought it was too many points. You seen it tick down in some places to six and a half. Wisconsin can shoot the ball. They control tempo. You know, Illinois was life and death at Welsh Ryan against Northwestern on Saturday. I, uh, I give Wisconsin a pretty decent shot at winning this game. I will be surprised if Illinois wins this game by double digits. You said last night you made a good line. It's more likely Texas Tech beats Texas by double digits than Texas wins the game. I, I I think it's more likely that Wisconsin wins this game than Illinois beats them by double digits. Oh, forget the double digits. The, the real way I only see them getting a cover in this game is if Wisconsin's down four, they miss a shot, yeah. foul, and then same sequence in the next possession. That's about it. I think the, uh, Wisconsin will be right in this game. They're just always very competitive in league play. Home or away doesn't make a difference. All right, then my other play is in the ACC. This game goes at 4 o'clock on ACC Network Plus from the Watsco Center and Coral Gables. Notre Dame at Miami. Notre Dame on Monday night scored 14 points in the first half against Duke and losing that game 57-43 at the Purvel Pavilion. <laughs> uh, Miami 9-8-2 and eight and two in league play. They've only lost twice to Florida State, both, both by one possession here. They've been very good, all right? They just came off road wins at Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech. I think this is a cheap price at home here. I'll take the Canes, the Fighting Laranegas, and lay the four and a half. You know what? If you're not going to defend Notre Dame, I will. First of all, the disrespect by you is incredible. Okay, yeah, they had a rough first half. Duke's got some length defensively, but how about the fact they held the Blue... Hold on. They put up 29 in the second half. I'm sorry. Hey, they held the Blue Devils to 57. By the way, if you do the math, that's 29 per half for Duke. Very good. That's nice. You know what? What were they getting? Six? We, on Monday six, night, you six, said you liked it. You liked the six. Yeah. You liked the six. That's half their production for the first half. I, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> like great. it here. I mean, they've had some nice wins here, but Miami's flying under the radar. I, I'm going to add, uh, true or false, the only two teams in the ACC guaranteed to get in the NCAA tournament right Duke? now are Duke and Miami. Yes, correct. Carolina's right. still got some work to do. And by Car- the way, they rallied, they re-rallied a win in overtime last night. Blew the game in regulation. Um, but they did get a big road win in Louisville last night. Big road win. Um, who else do you think makes it out of that league? What about Wake Forest? Yeah. We'll see what they do tonight. Uh, uh, they got Pittsburgh at home. They Pittsburgh at home business. tonight. How about I ask you about this game? Syracuse at NC State tonight, 6 o'clock uh, on ESPN2. Syracuse crushed Wake at the Carrier Dome over the weekend. NC State, last I looked up, they were getting beat by like 70 by Carolina and the Dean <laughs> Dome. But NC State's a point-and-a-half favorite here, Amal. What do you think about that? Your, your poker buddy Jimmy Beheim on the road here. Yeah, I tell you what, NC State plays well at, in Raleigh at home. Um, Mike, this is a game I would look towards the over. Both teams are going to score some points. Syracuse, that zone has not stopped anybody this year, and they, they can score on the other end. I think when the two Bayheim kids leave Syracuse this year, Jim Bayheim walks out with them at the end of this season because I think this program needs a new infusion of blood in there. They're just struggling right now. Um, Keats's team should be able to get this one, but I, I don't trust NC State consistently. That's my problem with them. Where will Syracuse look for a head coach when Bayheim retires? Within the program? I have no idea. Jerry McNamara, what maybe. A- what about Jim Calhoun? He's looking to get back up to Division One, isn't he? Jimmy's never taken. <laughs> he would never, despite the fact that he's about a thousand, he would never take a job at Syracuse. Should we talk a little hockey today before we uh, before we say goodbye to the boys and girls? Um, 
I want to talk about this game in Detroit. Kings at the Red Wings. Kings laying a, a buck thirty-five on the road here. I say it because of this. This Kings team is a very good under team. Yep. Two good goalies. Quick. Uh, expected to start tonight here. Total five and a half. I look at this game under, or perhaps a first period under. Mine uh, under one and a half in the first period at even money here. I think a little bit of a steal. Yeah, not a bad play there. Remember, we got a two-one final out of the uh, Red Wings last game against the Ducks. These two teams played on January 8th in Los Angeles, and it was a 4-0 Kings win. I remember because I played the in-game under, and I said, ah, you know, this is a good number here. But the plus price took a shot with it and it got there. This was the game where the shots on goal in the first period were 27 nothing. Kings. I'm just, I just, I'm just telling you, they didn't have any shots I, I still, on goal in the first. I, I still find that it, it to was, be amazing. It was, it was an amazing statistic here, um, which would tend to believe to play the Kings here, although they're on a road trip yep. here. Uh, but I like the first period under. I said, like, okay, go ahead. It was a little bit closer like the Notre Dame game. It was 27-2 to at oh, the end okay. of one. I'm, I'm so sorry. I think it was 18 nothing at one point. I said last night, take a shot with the Kraken in that spot against the Bruins. If you took the goal and a half, you win because they got the game to overtime. I was thinking about that when I saw the yeah. final score. And how about your play on the Rangers last night? Gets through easily. They yeah. score. Uh, I think it was uh, Sabanajad gets on the goal sheet early on in that one, less than a minute in, and then they win this game 5-2. to two. I'm telling you, Mike, I don't believe in this Panthers team when the chips are down, I said it yesterday, the Lightning and the t- New York Rangers are two teams to keep an eye out for. I think there's some other teams maybe in the mix. Not completely sold on Toronto, but I, I think it's for me, it's about the goaltending. The only future ticket I have right now is the Rangers. I, I like I've got that got them play. at 24-1. to 1. I, I think they're dangerous. Shesterkin, I mean, he played well last night. Well, you look at Panarin up top. I, I think this team can make some things happen. They've got some guys that can score goals. Great hire getting Gerard Gallant, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, Flames at Coyotes. Flames laying 270 on the road. Coyotes break Denver's, uh, Colorado's, what is it, 19-game home winning streak last night. They hadn't lost in regulation so many. They win in overtime. They score late and win in overtime. But still a huge home underdog, plus 230. Do you play the Coyotes on the win streak? (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, I think you'd take a shot with them at the price. I don't want to lay this number on on the Flames here tonight. And obviously, when you look at this Calgary team, uh, they've been inconsistent. That's the biggest hallmark of them so far this year. And you're not going to have Markstrom in net tonight, so I, I would take a look at taking a shot with uh, the Coyotes at home. One more game here. A team maybe not getting enough recognition. Minnesota Wild. Um, they played the Blackhawks, I think, about 10 days ago in Chicago. The, they were up 4 nothing, I think, when they pulled Flurry in that game. You're going to have Talbot in goal tonight. I think Flurry for yeah. the Blackhawks. Uh, Minnesota 160 on the road here. I think it's a little bit cheap. I'm looking at Wild tonight. Yeah, Wild have played well, too. They've won five in a row. The one problem I have with the Wild, big picture-wise, though, is when this team gets into the playoffs or they play against the Knights, they can't ever shut them down. I don't understand. They come out to Vegas, it's like automatically VGK is going to score four goals. But they've done a much better job defensively. That's really kind of where they've been hanging their hat of late. Offense has been flourishing as well. A couple of games back, putting up an eighth spot in that game against the Canadians. So... Not the worst price here on the road for Minnesota 160. Oilers are a short road dog in Washington against the Capitals tonight. Did you like the Evander Kane signing? Uh, not particularly. Uh, sometimes when, no matter the talent, sometimes I feel like if there's a- external issues going on, it can be kind of a black cloud over the locker room, depending on how people react to him coming in there. I don't know what the kind of the perception of him around the league is. Phoenix Suns, a couple of macro yeah. questions for the NBA. Uh Phoenix Suns uh, extend another long winning streak last night, beating the Nets. Are they the team to beat in the West? Sure feels like it. Um, you know, I, I get Golden State. They're going to be a popular choice just because of their name. I know, I know I'm know. i sure uh, Jeff Sherman has the Lakers probably at minus 250 to win the, win the West. But other than that, 
Uh, I think you have to look at the Phoenix Suns. One other NBA question. Is Joel Embiid your MVP right now? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I really don't. And the reason I say that is I, I think a lot of it for me in the association is predicated upon your team and how they're doing. Um, you know, one name that's so long on the, on the odds right now is Devin Booker and another one is Chris Paul. I think these guys have to get stronger consideration than they are just based on what the Phoenix Suns are doing. And Bede's been outstanding. There's no denying that. But Jokic has been terrific. Giannis does what he does every night. So for me, I don't think it's quite the slam dunk that some people think it is with Joel Embiid. Amal, it's a sad day here at VEASAN as one of our producers, Jacob Roach, is leaving us his final day with the network. Your thoughts on his party? Jacob was a lot of fun to work with. We're going to obviously miss him and I wish him all the best in his future endeavors. And Jacob, we first came to work with Jacob when we filled in for Mitch and Paul a couple of years ago on the second week, John Brown took off with them, and he did a great job booking seven guests a day for us. I got to work with him again when I was filling in for Gil uh, with Todd when Gil uh, tore his Achilles tendon. And then when they offered us this opportunity to do this show, mm-hmm. when we talked to Bill Aidey and Brian Musburger, we said, we want Jacob Roach to produce the show. We did. He was our first overall pick. Yeah, he was, and, and they gave it to him. We wish Jacob a lot of success. You know, he's been inspired by fellow Hoosier Mark Cuban and that show Shark Tank, and he's going to devote full-time now to his business, which is uh, hanging up Christmas tree lights. I think you can get some pretty good deals right now in February. Jacob, good luck and continued success. Stay tuned to the network. Up next, Betting Across America. 